brilliant. Fantastic. So, just a question to you as we, uh, as we look at this. I wonder how many of you here have been on any long journeys over Christmas? Hands up if you've been on a long journey over Christmas. Let's see how far we've travelled. Let's see. I know what your answer is going to be. Off you go. The Maldives. The Maldives. Oh, very nice. Very nice. We come from London. London, fantastic. Same. Same. You went to London as well? Fantastic. Anywhere further afield than London or the Maldives? South Shields. Sometimes it can feel very far away, can't it? Anyone else? Anyone else? No? Fantastic. So, myself and Rach uh, decided over the Christmas holidays uh, to walk from our house in... uh, Stockton Heath to uh, our in-laws in Padgate, which was how long was that? How long of a walk was that? Three miles. And I thought, what a man. I've walked three miles. I've walked off my Christmas dinner. But actually, it was only three miles. But there we go. But I remember when I was little, uh, we always used to travel to Ireland via Holyhead. All my family are Irish. And it was a journey that tended to make, to take most of the day. We traveled across Carr, um, through Wales, onto the ferry, back in the car again, from the east to the west of Ireland, to the greatest place on earth, which is, uh, County Mayo in Ireland, um, other than Lim, of course. And, uh, I remember one time my parents retelling the story a while ago, that one time when we set off, on this long journey, uh, we were on the M56, Junction 11, when three small voices, myself, my older brother and my older sister, all asked the question that parents dread on a long journey. Does anybody know what it is? Are we nearly there yet? There we go. They knew it was going to be a long journey. And this morning, we're going to look at a familiar story, which I'm sure you've all heard of, um, which is the story of the three wise men, or the Magi, as Matthew's Gospel puts it, who went on a long journey to a land they didn't know to meet a king that they'd never seen before. And for those of you that have been at church over the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been looking at different key characters uh, in the Bible um, at at the birth of Jesus, and been looking at how they responded uh, to God. And we've heard in previous weeks the story of Mary. Uh, recently we saw about how, Jesus, uh, how Joseph was one of the key heroes. And today we're going to look at the story of the Magi or the Three Wise Men. So just a little bit of background history um, before we start reading this, uh, the reading. Uh, one of Matthew's main aims in his gospel is to present Jesus as a king. He wants to tell the world that Jesus is king not only for the Jews, uh, but for non-Jews, for believers and non-believers. He's pointing to a king that would bring a new rule, a new era, and a new kingdom. And an element of his kingship is that he is the promised Messiah. That he's the Messiah that the Jewish nation had been waiting for. That he is the one that the prophets have talked about. And the one that was promised to David in 2 Samuel. That says, I will rise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood and I will establish his kingdom. He's the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So from the start, Matthew's emphasis is really about uh, telling the readers that Jesus is the king, that Jesus is the um, Messiah that they've been waiting for. So keep that in mind as Arthur comes to read Matthew 2, 1 to 12, if that's okay. And you can find it on page 914 if you want to follow it in your church Bibles. 
Yeah, Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. The Magi visit the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and mirth. And, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you, Arthur. Okay, so what can we learn from these major? Strange uh, that Matthew has uh, recorded them in the first place. Can you pass me on one? I don't think it's working. Fantastic. Uh, None of the other Gospels actually record this story, but for Matthew, it was quite uh, important. And actually, in the King James Version, uh, it uses the word, Behold, wise men came from the east. Uh, So Matthew's trying to get uh, the reader's attention uh, straight from the start, that this is not a normal series of events. So what do we actually know about the the Magi? Well, what we want to do is we want to look at what the scripture says and not about what some of the myths say about the Magi. So the first one is that they're not actually kings. Um, Even though in nativities we may uh, depict it as such, um, they're not actually kings. The Bible doesn't mention that they are at all. Secondly, they could have had more, there could have been more than three. We assume that they were three because of the number of gifts that they um, that they brought, but it could be that there were more than three. Some may have not brought any gifts. And men, let's be honest, it is likely that some men probably do turn up without gifts. I know that I used to turn up to things without gifts. That was until I met Rachel, and then she reminded me day by day to make sure I buy a gift, and now we always remember the gifts, which is fantastic. So they may not have, uh, they may have been more than three. And thirdly, the Magi were astrologers. And according to many uh, scholars, the Magi studies scars, uh, stars. Sorry, uh, These Magi would have searched for truth or to try to predict the future, uh, very similar to horoscope readers today. And they weren't just scientists, but they were worshippers of false gods, in this case, stars. 
But amazingly, God used these non-believers and guided them to Jesus using a star that would have been a sign um, for the Jewish audience and as a sign for the king of the Jews, which would have been mentioned, first of all, back in uh, Old Testament in the book of Numbers. In Numbers 24, it says a star would come out of, out of Jacob. So this sign, this star, was actually a sign to the Jewish nation. So from the start, this story is quite incredible because it's a story of God speaking to non-believers through something that was well known to believers, to, to Jews, and, uh, but the star was also relevant to the Magi because it was something that they were used to, something that they were comfortable with. So he used this star to reveal his true identity. So this is quite an incredible story with the way that God is starting to link up all the different things here. So what can we learn from what they did? Um, what, what, what can we learn from the response that the Magi did? So we see that when they, when they see the star, they don't just sit there. They actually, they got up and they left. The scriptures say when they saw the star, they followed it. It was more than just a lighthearted decision of, oh, there's a star in the sky, let's see what happens, let's sit back. They didn't understand what and why at this point, but they understood that they actually had to follow the stars. As astrologers, as people that were studying the stars regularly, they were impressed by what they saw in the sky, and they would have known it was an unusual occurrence. They were so impressed that it caused them to get up and to go. It's, it, I, I, when I read that, I just think it's so um, astonishing that men with so little to, um, to venture, uh, so little to go on would venture so far, endure such hardships just for a star that they saw in the sky. And it's amazing that God could speak to people worshipping false gods in order to guide them to the one and true God. And if he did that back then, surely he can do that today. Surely God can and does speak to people that are far away from him. People that are searching for truth maybe in other places, in wrong places, um, indulging and being influenced by ungodly or worldly things. God can still speak to them today. So first off, what an encouragement it is for us to be praying for our leaders, for our politicians, for people following other religions, for those that are far away from God, for those that are committing horrendous acts such as ISIS. You know, we need to pray that like the wise men, God can speak to them even though they are far away from him, that God will turn up in their life as well. And what's quite incredible is God actually is doing that. I read a report recently of... Um, of an ISIS member who has repented of his sins and he's turned to Jesus. You know, these things are happening. They don't get in the news, but these things are happening. People are coming to Christ. And what a challenge it is for us to be praying for these people as we start 2017. So the Magi knew that following the star would come at a cost, but yet they still followed it. For a start, they would have had to have left their homeland, their friends, their families, their comfort zones. They would have to travel for quite a long period of time. It's actually believed that it would have been up to about, um, potentially up to about two years um, of, of traveling, about six to 800 miles in wilderness conditions. And that's why King Herod ordered for all children under the age of two to be killed. So they traveled by their heart alone, trusting that this star would lead them to somewhere, that they obviously thought that this cost was worth it. So we can be encouraged and we can learn from the faith and the commitment of the Magi the fact that they followed the star in the first place is quite amazing. You know, maybe during their journey, they may have had doubts, you know, is this right? Are we sure? But actually, they kept on going on this journey. Uh, we didn't know what point on the journey 
they came to know Jesus as king, yet they stuck with what they believed in their heart to be true. Even at the point when they were confronted by King Herod, they continued on their, sto- on their um, journey so they could pay homage to the true king. A real challenge to us if we can relate to the Magi. I know for myself at points in life, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, uh, where we're going, but like the Magi, trusting God and our hearts that the decision or the destination is worth it. And um, we don't know why the Magi decided to follow the star, but what we do know is that God guided them to Jesus. God used their misdirected faith in a false God to bring glory to his name and fulfill Old Testament prophecy. And amazingly, we know by the time they arrived at Herod's door that they knew they were looking for the king of the Jews. Notice the certainty in the question, verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? It wasn't we think we may be following the star of Jesus. Not for a second did they actually express any doubt. Clearly something happened on the journey to make them say this. How was it that God spoke to them? The scriptures don't actually record it. But they certainly did know the scripture, as we see them quoting um, in verse 6, they quote Micah 5, verse 2 to 6. Is it possible they had access to Old Testament scripture and maybe put two and two together? Again, the scriptures don't record it. But what we think we can assume is that something happened on that journey. Um, As we see in verse 3, they've gone, for we have seen his star and we have come to worship him. Something must have happened from following the star to come in and worship him. We see them later on in verse 10, submitting to Jesus. It says in verse 10, In coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. You know, the Magi, they changed allegiance. They'd been, they, by bowing down to Jesus, they were acknowledging Jesus as their true king. They changed from worshipping a false god, the stars, to worshipping the one true god, Jesus. Non-believers living in a far and distant land following a star for up to about two years, being led to Jesus. And to think that that star was ultimately for the Jews, yet God used that star to bring them to know Jesus. Okay, so the first response was that they that they followed, and ultimately that led to them bowing down and worshipping. So we're going to move on to verse 11, uh, where we see the Magi at Jesus' house. Again, notice the word house being used here, and not manger or inn. Because it would have been quite a while after the story of Jesus being born when the Magi would have turned up. Again, hence why Herod may have commanded to kill all under the age of two. So the Magi followed, and secondly, the Magi presented. We're going to consider now the gifts, um, the gifts that Jesus brought to Jesus. And uh, my nephew was born just last year, and we had to get him a present that would define his existence, a present of value, something helpful, something to show him how much we cared, and something that would really speak into his future. So we got him a Manchester United kit. Any present a baby boy would want, a Manchester United kit. Of course, we did get him some other presents as well. But never in my mind, or in Rachel's mind, or anyone in our family did it cross our minds to get them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we want to consider these three gifts because of the role they play in expressing not only the life, but the death of Jesus and how this relates to his kingship. 
And I wonder if these, uh, if they realized that these gifts that they were presenting to Jesus meant more than just a nice or a kind gesture. I wonder if they knew the, uh, the meaning of them. About 10 years ago, uh, my mentor told me that I was going to be a leader. And I literally laughed in his face um, when he told me that because I knew I was so insecure, so fearful, and not gifted enough to be a leader. And actually, through the years, God has completely worked wonders and miracles in my life. And through the grace of God, I'm standing here and doing the job that I'm doing today. And it's all because of Jesus. Never did I imagine that that was possible. But what that person was doing back then was he was actually prophesying God's plans and his purposes over my life. And likewise, in the account of the Magi, the gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh are prophetic acts that the Magi are doing. Again, we don't know whether they were aware that the prophetic acts um, or whether they're just responding to a call uh, from God. Again, the scriptures don't tell us. Also, we don't know when they got them, whether they brought them from the place they came. We assume they did because of the, um, the kind of like spices that they brought. But again, it's not confirmed that they did. But what we do know is that it's likely that they're extremely valuable gifts, showing that maybe the Magi came from quite a wealthy background. And the fact that they presented these gifts to Jesus showed that they're dedicated to him. They want to show him that he's worthy of the gifts, and as such, present the gifts, and they bow down to Jesus. So firstly, gold. That symbolizes Jesus' royalty. So think of who you would give gold to, probably a loved one for Christmas or a birthday as a present. Here they give the gold to Jesus. They're saying that Jesus is important, the one that was chosen by God. You know, gold is fit for a king. And which king do the Magi give their gifts to? Jesus. They view him as king over Herod. Herod. And we see a sharp contrast here to King Herod. Herod, the king of the Roman Empire, was self-appointed king. Jesus is the God-appointed king. Herod was 33 when he was inaugurated. Jesus, the same age, when he died on the cross. Herod built his kingdom of fear and force, while Jesus built his kingdom on peace, love, truth and forgiveness. And while Herod uh, killed others to be seen to be great and powerful, Jesus humbled himself to death so that the greatness of God's kingdom would be known through his generations. See, Matthew presents Jesus as the perfect king, the God-appointed king, the king of the Jews, the king of the Gentiles, the sacrificial king, the king for all, and the king for us. Frankincense. Frankincense was commonly used in Jewish temples by the high priests and would be burned to create an incense. Excuse me. And one of the significant links between frankincense here is that is the connection to the priesthood, particularly the high priest. Again, here using a prophetic gift, God is revealing one more dimension of Jesus' kingly role, and that is of being a high priest, the great high priest. The, the high priest was the most honoured of all, the one with the greatest esteem, and he was valued with having the greatest of ministries. It was the high priest that would deal with the sins of the people as best as possible, releasing the people from their sin. And of course, this system was inadequate. However, it was always intended that this religious act would point to a future high priest that would take within himself the sins of the world. And I wonder who that would be. Jesus. By giving Jesus the gift of frankincense, 
the Magi are indicating that Jesus is connected to the Jewish temple and that he would eventually replace the Jewish sacrificial system with his blood, showing his role of the great high priest. Here, the Magi are pointing to Jesus and stating that he is higher than any other. Again, non-believers helping to see others see who Jesus is. Jesus, the high priest the Jews have been waiting for. And finally, the gift of myrrh. And this is the gift that is uh, commonly used to anoint bodies um, when they have died and would also be the oil that would be used at Jesus' death. Uh, Nicodemus brings some um, to Jesus when he's died in John 19. And again, when the Magi give the gift of myrrh, it points to Jesus' death. What's important here is that from an early, early age, right from the start, even as a baby, it was God's ultimate plan for Jesus to die for us. Not only that, but three days later to rise. See, Jesus is not only the perfect king, a king higher than any other. He's shown to be the promised king, the one that all the Old Testament scriptures are referring to. So as we finish, what does all this mean to us? What can we relate to? What can we get out of this? I think firstly, we can uh, be encouraged by the faith of the Magi. You know, those that were committed to their journey, they held on to what they believed, even in times of trouble and hardship. I think secondly, we can, we see that the Magi presented to us a king that is perfect, a sacrificial king who would die on a cross. And are we, like the Magi, going to worship this king? Are we willing to bow down at his feet? like the Magi did, and submit to him this year. Thirdly, the Magi sacrificed a lot to follow Jesus. Question for us, what gifts are we willing to offer Jesus this year? Our practical gifts of time, money, or our spiritual gifts to build up God's church? Fourthly, we see the Magi being bold in telling others about their experience. You know, imagine how crazy it would have been when they explained to King Herod and to his guards that they were following a star, that they had come to worship the king of the Jews. Yet what's amazing is that they did and didn't hesitate. To them, it was worth the cost. You know, how crazy are some of the stories that God has done in our lives? I've heard many crazy stories, some of them so hard to believe, but, you know, trusting that they are from God. You know, are we willing this year to sacrifice our reputation to follow Jesus? Are we willing to share these stories with our friends and with our family? Are we willing to go the distance to see Jesus? And finally, we see that God used the Magi that had no previous faith in him. He used them in a powerful way to reveal his identity. And if God can use them, how much more can he use us, followers of Jesus? In what ways is God going to use you and me to reveal himself to friends, to family, or to reveal more of his heart to us? You know, what would our response be to God calling us to follow in like the major? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for this account of the major, Lord. We thank you. Um, we thank you for them and for the ways that they pointed to you. Lord, showing you to be the promised king, the perfect king, and higher than any other. Lord, may we remember that as we worship you now. And as we go from this place, Lord, may we remember that you are the perfect king, higher than any other. 
Amen.